You are listening to The Game Plan on the official Raiders Podcast Network. Here's your host, JT the Brick. Welcome to The Game Plan. I'm your host, JT. Week 11, Sunday, November 22nd, 2020. As the world champion Kansas City Chiefs at 8-1 enter Las Vegas for the first time to take on the 6-3 Las Vegas Raiders. How great does that sound? Sunday night football on NBC. Uh, the Raiders will get their primetime Sunday night game after they lost it to Tom Brady. And what happened a couple of weeks ago as they had a move from Sunday night football. Coming from Vegas where I host the shows and the podcasts and I've lived here a long time. This is massive. We miss the Raider Nation that can't attend games. But the buzz around the global Raider Nation in Vegas is real as this game's got everything going for it. It's a payback game for Kansas City. There's a little bus gate going on. Uh, both teams are trying to get healthy, have COVID issues on COVID-19 reserve in the list. And as I always tell you, as we open up the podcast, always go look at Raiders.com. Always go look at what's happening on social media with the Raiders to know who's going to be active and going to be inactive because that's really been the storyline this year is who's playing, who's going to be able to play on game day. From Cleland Farrell being a fourth overall pick overall and being on COVID reserve to Trent Brown to players that are trying to get off being injured and play again. And Kansas City's got a bunch of problems coming into this game too. So we'll get into all of that. Uh, I'm excited because the Raiders won that Denver Bronco game, which was a little bit ugly in the first half. But in the second half, the Raiders asserted their dominance. Jeff Heath was the story of the game. He was the AFC Defensive Player of the Week. Lock, looking back to the end zone. Fires, intercepted in the end zone. Out to the 10, the 15, the 20. Oh, baby. Jeff Heath, who threw the hold, came up with his second interception of the game and saves the Raiders here in the closing seconds of the first half. I love when he's on the field. He is an absolute ball hawk. And when the ball goes up in the air, Heath goes after it. But the win against the Denver Broncos came down to the running game as the Raiders rushed for over 200 yards. And as always, it was led by Josh Jacobs. Handoff. Jacobs sprinting over to the left. He's got it walking in. Jackpot, baby. Vegas touchdown. Incredible that they're able to run it. Josh on the day, 21 carries, 112 yards, and two touchdowns. Fantastic. But it's Devontae Booker who's been able to jump in as a backup for Josh Jacobs. And when he comes in, he is a battering ram. He has fresh legs, and he gets into the end zone. Devontae Booker, the running back, gets a spins. Jackpot, baby. Touchdown, Vegas. And oh, did Booker like that one. So Booker on the game had 16 carries for 81 yards and two touchdowns. Derek ran four times for 10 yards, 203 rushing yards for the silver and black. But the key was about five turnovers in the game, five. And for Paul Gunther's defense, who I gave a lot of credit to all week long on the radio, Kwiatkowski with the late interception. Lock against it, fires, and there's his fourth interception. Kwiatkowski has it. I gave him earlier credit. I knew he was going to get one. <laughs> oh, you soothsayer, you. <laughs> so with five turnovers in that game, Heath with the two interceptions, Kwiatkowski, the fumble. I love the way the Raiders' defense is playing. Really opportunistic, and John Gruden talked about that because 
The defense has been getting a lot of heat this year, but now they're playing well. Just some good overall play by a lot of guys on defense. Paul Gunther and his staff uh, have tweaked the defense the last few weeks, and uh, we were opportunistic. You know, Ryan Nassib on his own blitz got an interception. Uh, I thought we did a great job stripping the ball. Uh, We need to create more turnovers, uh, fumbles. And, uh, again, we ran the football extremely well, and that's, that's the recipes that we're looking for here. It is a great recipe for this team, and it's all about next man up. It will be against Kansas City coming up on Sunday night. Coach Gruden talked about the role players, the backups who are stepping in. Yeah, I, I think uh, they all deserve uh, tremendous credit. You know, um, we've had five different right tackles, I've had a few different left tackles, number of left guards. We've had a lot of players in the secondary and, and uh, so forth. Yeah, this is a team now that is doing a lot of things that make a lot of sense, but they got to clean up the penalties. Jonathan Abram. On the Hunter Renfro punt return for a touchdown, had a bad penalty in the game. And the Raiders got to clean that up because they've been knocking down the penalties. The penalty numbers are down this year. And I'll get to that coming up with some of the stats, but they can't make mistakes that could cost touchdowns. We didn't need to make that type of play there. And I think John knows that. And uh, as much as I love him, we still have to control his enthusiasm a little bit. He's a great kid. He wants to be a great Raider. And I think today our fans should see why we gave him that number. He made some impact plays, but uh, I think he could have pulled off there uh, without a doubt. Yeah, and I talked to Charles Woodson earlier in the week on NFL Radio, and he had great things to say about John Abram and the way he's playing. So Jeff Heath, the Raiders' safety, he leads the team with three interceptions, two interceptions versus Drew Locke on Sunday, led to a big day. And overall, the the way this team is playing, they're opportunistic and they're making plays. Got to keep it going against Kansas City because Kansas City comes in with the second-ranked total offense in football. They're putting up 409 yards a game. Raiders come in ranked 13th at 370 yards a game. But here's the key. Raiders 7th in the NFL in rushing, 139.2 to Kansas City, which is ranked 14th at 114. The Raiders can run it. Defensively, Raiders are getting better. Remember when they were ranked 28th, 29th? Now their total defense is ranked 21st, and their rush defense is ranked 13th overall, 112 yards a game. Kansas City's defense is ranked 29th in rush defense. They're giving up 138 a game. The Raiders just rushed for 200. That's got to be the key to this game. Raiders with those five turnovers. Man, when was the last time I said this? Now they're plus one in turnover ratio, which is 14th in the league. But Kansas City's better. They're ranked third at plus eight. And Kansas City's got many more penalty yards, 484 to the Raiders, 369. So let's keep the penalties down for the Raiders. Hey, one other thing which was fun to talk about. I go on radio shows in Kansas City, and guys come on my show. It's about this bus gate. Did the Raiders go on a bus ride around Arrowhead when they won? I don't know. It's a conspiracy theory. No one seems to be able to really lock in. There's no video of it. Here's Andy Reid heading into this game, and he seems pretty pissed off. Well, they they, listen. They won the game, so they they can do anything they they want to do. Uh, uh, They end up winning the game. That's not our style, but we'll we'll get ourselves back, ready to play, and that's where we're at. Andy Reid and John Gruden are very good friends. Not good friends, great friends. So for Andy Reid to say it's not our style, 
That's kind of a shot across the bow. John Gruden was asked about that comment. Not really. I mean, you could find a smart Alec bus driver in Kansas City who made some snide comments when we got on the bus. Maybe that's why we drove around the stadiums to tick him off. You know, this is ridiculous. Next question. Interesting. Now, look, the game's not going to be won because of a bus, but Kansas City's ready to go. The one interception Mahomes has, he has 25 touchdowns, one pick, is against the Raiders, and their only loss is against the Silver and Black. They are coming in looking to embarrass the Raiders. They don't want to beat the Raiders. They want to step on their throat. So if they're up by 10 or 13, they're looking to go up by more. And for the Raiders, I've been saying this all week, they are playing with house money. You know that term here in Vegas when you're winning, you're playing blackjack, and you got their money, and you keep pounding them because you're playing with their money? Raiders got to do that. They have got to use this game and say, no matter what happens, if we split with Kansas City, that feels like a moral victory. There's no moral victories. Gruden wants to sweep this team, and they got to be at their best. So let it fly. Let's watch the Raiders dictate the pace. Not Kansas City, as they play their schedule and they tell everybody what they're going to do. Let the Raiders do what they did in that first game, that first win in Kansas City. Come out and say, we're going to do this. I don't know if it's going to be run it or throw it, but I don't think you can beat Kansas City unless you get in a shootout with them. Just my opinion as we get to our guest on the game plan. Oh, his preparation is legendary. He's a great coach. He's a great person. He gets his team to play for him. He can really handle uh, game day situations. Um, He's got great experience, got great confidence in his players, and he's not afraid to pull the trigger and, uh, you know, use some unconventional ways to do it move the football, and, and um, I just got a lot of respect for him, and I know he's going to do thorough preparation. It'll be, a, it'll be a juggernaut coming in here Sunday. And So we begin the game plan against Kansas City with one of the Raiders' all-time greats, Heisman Trophy winner, the Hall of Famer, Tim Brown joins us. Tim, I hope you and your family are doing well. How are you? Hey, man, we're doing good, but trying to hang in there. How about yourself? Really good. Thanks a lot for doing this, and let's begin with COVID and the kids and the family, and I know how you take this very seriously, and you're doing serious XM radio. How's it been? How's it been getting through week after week as the numbers continue to go up? Uh, it's been a little scary, man. You know, I have 17-year-old twins who are seniors in high school. Uh, one is the captain of the cheerleading squad. The other one is on the football team. And, you know, they have many friends who want to come visit them all the time. It's just um, – it's just something that you got to deal with, man. And, you know, you want the kids to have memories that uh, are not all about being locked up in the in the house. But at the same time, you know, you got to be you got to be extremely careful. So we're right now we're handling it. <laughs> it seems to be going pretty well. Uh, but, um, you know, it's a it's a dubious task, man, to try to keep up with all this for sure. And Timmy, I got a senior in high school, too, at my house here, and it's just tough to watch them come out of school, go back, whatever's happening, too, because as a parent, as you said, and I know a lot of parents are listening to us now, they want their kids to have this amazing experience like we did. And I can imagine what you had, senior year in high school before you went to Notre Dame, and it's just a different time, and everybody's got to stay safe. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, my kids are smart enough to understand that, and it's not like they're trying to buck any rules, so... My oldest daughter actually had it in college uh, out in California mm-hmm. uh, back in March. She was, you know, um, one of the first that I knew to have it, and right. she had it for about seven weeks, and she still talks about the effects of it. So, you know, from that standpoint, you know, it's, it's real in our family, and we know that. So 
and she's home now, so she's even more diligent about making sure that um, you know everybody is uh, is doing what they're supposed to do. If I told you Raiders uh, six and three going into the Kansas City game on Sunday Night Football before the season started, would you have been surprised, amazed? Where do you stand with this team and this great record now? No, you know I, I have such great confidence in John Gruden that, that I I know that if he has guys who are healthy. Um, and the system that he has, and they go out and play decent football. They don't have to play great football. They play decent football or good football, let's say. Uh, they're going to have a chance to win. And, uh, you know, and I think so far this year when they played, you know, good football, they've had a chance to win. A couple of games they lost, they just didn't play good football. So uh, so I'm, I'm not surprised. I'm, I'm really not. You know, I, I think, um, you know, we, we've had some injuries, and uh, we fought through some of those injuries. You know, Edwards seems to be back now, and, you know, I know we, the COVID thing is hitting us now with mm-hmm. a couple guys being put on that list. So, I mean, it's just a lot to deal with, man. And uh, uh, you're talking about the only the strong would survive. <laughs> I mean, this year is really going to be that. I mean, both injury and COVID-wise, you know, you got to be able to survive all this stuff. Tim, I'm sure the Raider Nation would love to know your opinion on this offense because you played it and at such a high level and how you think it's evolved or changed or is it pretty similar with what John's doing now with Ruggs and Renfro and Waller and Josh Jacobs running the ball when you played with them, is there, are there a lot of similarities? Um, you know, the play calling is certainly similar. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think, um, you know, you had, you had myself, you had Jerry, you had Rich Gannon, you know, you had guys who were veteran, veteran guys who understood what this thing was all about. And um, so from that standpoint, you know, you may have, you know, I, I think they may – I can look and see where mistakes are being made, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I, it, it's pretty clear to me uh, watching uh, watching the game, you know, oh, he was supposed to do this. <laughs> he was supposed to be over there. Uh, you know, so I, I think those, those are things that these young guys are going to learn. And even by the end of this year, they're, they're going to be a lot better – about their about their, their spacing and routes and things of that nature. So, um, you know, we didn't make mistakes like that, you know, and, and uh, you know, because we were veteran guys. I mean, I was in year 10, 11 when, uh, when, uh, when Gruden came in. So, uh, and Jerry, you know, when, by the time Jerry got to us, what, he was in year 15, 16, something like that. So, uh, so we were pretty precise with our route running and spacing and making sure we got to the right spot. And I think once these guys figure that out, and right now they're trying to make the make the offense, you know, they're trying to make the plays, right? Mm-hmm. And what you have to learn in this offense is this offense will make the plays for you. Just let it do it. You just do what you're supposed to do. Hall of Famer Tim Brown is our guest. And, Tim, Henry Ruggs third missed two games, but he only has 25 targets. I really wanted to spend some time with you on that. And, you know, you didn't have a problem with targets, but I tell Eric Allen on the pregame show all the time, there's only one football, and Derek's got to get Waller, Renfro, Aguilar is having a big year. Jacobs catches it, Edwards, and then there's Rugs. that everybody's expecting this breakout year, and we haven't seen it yet. What are you saying? Yeah, well, you know, look, I mean, he, he wasn't a, a route-running guy in college, right? He was there, you know, run a slant route and catch a slant and go, you know, and take it, you know, 50 yards for a touchdown or whatever, or he'll fly by somebody and catch a deep pass and you know, score a touchdown that way. So you rarely saw him, you know, run an 18 yard out, you know, catch that, make a move and, and get, get extra yards. You know, that's not, that's not who he is. And then this offense, he's learning that he has to do some of those things 
And it's not it's not a very easy thing to do, especially when you're going up against NFL quarterbacks, you know. So I, I think it's a learning process for him. I think that, um, you know, with his speed and his uh, explosiveness, man, I mean, we've seen it in, in certain games, uh, you know, his ability to take over a game or really affect the game, I should say, is what it's all about. So, you know, I, I think you'll see more and more of him being uh, implemented in, in certain routes and uh, trying to get him on some underneath routes and things of that nature just to see if he can, you know, run a little shallow cross and, and uh, catch it instead of, uh, instead of it being a five-yard, you know, catch, it could be a 20-yard gain, you know, with his speed. So, uh, but uh, it's going to take time, man. You know, I think Gruden understood that and um, was, um, was willing to uh, make, that, uh, make that sacrifice. And I think that's why you bring in a guy like Edwards, uh, because, um, you know, he can come in and run some routes for you right away. I'm assuming you really like Renfro and the way he runs routes, and he's been a third-down guy, and guy's been making a lot of big plays since he came over from Clemson. No, uh, he's uh, he's that guy, man. You know, he is that uh, security blanket for, for cars. You can see anytime you get in third and, and uh, you know, mid-yardist type uh, plays, uh, cars looking for him. And, you know, everybody knows that that's happening, but, you know, he's still able to – uh, to uh, to get open, man, and that's what the thing is all about, you know. And that shows how uh, how disciplined he is in his route running, and and um, how good he is in his route running. Because you know, everybody in the stadium knows on those downs the ball is going to him, but he's still able to get it done. And uh, to me. Uh, those are the kind of players, man, that you know you can count on at all times. Hey, Tim, when you talk on SiriusXM about Mahomes and we look at the matchup with the Raiders, are you more of a believer of ball control, run it really hard and keep him on the sideline, or do you believe, look, you're playing this guy, you got to beat him in a shootout like they did that first game. you got to put up 34, 40 points if you're going to beat the Chiefs. Yeah, I mean, you have to go into the game plan, you know, uh, go in with, with a game plan that, you know, you're going to have to put up points. You know, the chance of you... Uh, the chance of you, uh, you know, holding this team under 20 points is just not, it's just not reasonable. So, you know, I think from that standpoint with the Raiders, you know, you look at their game plan before you want to control the clock, right? You want to be able to make sure that, uh, you know, you, you're taking clock uh, time off the clock, but you know, I think the great thing, what they did before is they, they put touchdowns on the board, you know, and with this team, three points is not enough, man. You have to put them in a position uh, where they're feeling a little pressure because they're, they're just not in that position too often. Tim Brown, as we wrap it up, as the game plan continues, we took Fred Bolitnikoff and his wife on a tour of Allegiant Stadium, every nook and cranny from the torch down to the locker rooms. And Tim, to see Fred's face, I mean, he looked at, we took him in the training room with all those leather chairs and benches lined up and all these plasma TVs. And Freddie was saying back when he came into the league, there was one roll of tape and one bench. And you look around this stadium and what these players have and what Mark Davis was able to deliver to Vegas and for this franchise going forward. It's just a shame that there's no fans in attendance as the Raiders play Sunday night on NBC. Yeah, you know, it's, it's really unfortunate, man. It's really unfortunate because, I mean, this would be a game that Raider Nation would be losing their minds, you know. And, uh, you know, the fact of the matter is, you know, Mark has made that decision. If, if we can't get everybody in there, we're not going to get anybody in there. So, because uh, I know for sure I would be in Las Vegas this <laughs> night uh, if, uh, if if I could, but um, but you know it's the hey it's the way of the of the of the of the league, right? I mean it's not like the Raiders are at a disadvantage. You know, yeah, you got some teams who have you know who are able to get um, you know a couple fans in there, but certainly not like everybody wants it to be. So I think from that standpoint, man, 
you know, it is what it is, and we just got to make sure that um, the boys come out pumped up and, and get this thing done. Tim, last question. Raiders are 6-3. and three. They're trying to sweep Kansas City. Uh, they're they're on a march towards the playoff. What's the one thing you think they have to stay with that you're liking as you watch this team that could get them to the postseason? Uh, man, they got to keep running the ball, man. You know, uh, you know when you run the ball the way they're capable of running the ball, man, it just makes it uh, a lot lot simpler. You're taking time off the clock. You're putting points on the board, and that uh, that frustrates other offenses because they know. Man, you know, they took up eight minutes and scored a touchdown. If, if we give the ball back to them, we'll be in the second half, second quarter, and uh, they could be up by two scores. So um, and that's what you want to do. Uh, that ground control offense and taking shots when you, when you have the opportunity is what it's all about. Thanks, Timmy. Best to your family. Thanks so much for doing this. Hey, appreciate you, brother. You got it. Tim Brown, the Hall of Famer, here on The Game Plan. Great to catch up with him. And I'm happy he said that at the end because I wanted to talk to Tim about the similarities with the Gruden offense. And there he says, keep running the football. In that last win against the Denver Broncos, 37-12, to Josh Jacobs, 112 yards. Devontae Booker, 81 yards. Carr ran for 10. That's a total of 203 yards to the Broncos, 66. And they held Phillip Lindsay to four carries and two yards. I mean, think of that. So the defense was able to show up and play well. But I see some similarities. When Gannon, what Gannon was great at with Tim Brown was Gannon pump faked. I always talk about this, and Derek is great at a lot of things, but he's not as good as Gannon with the pump fake. Gannon would look left and pump fake it to Jerry Porter, Charlie Garner out of the backfield, a fake screen, and he would pivot his hips and hit someone over the middle of the field who was wide open. Because of the pump fake. And and Tim is interesting because I wanted him to comment on Henry Ruggs III. Tim didn't have problems with targets. And that's one of the things I want to stay with on this edition of the game plan when it comes to Darren Waller. He didn't go into a game when, and said, well, Tim, you're going to be double teamed in this game. We're, we're only going to give you two targets. No, no, no. Tim Brown wouldn't stand for that. Tim Brown would go in motion. He would line up in the slot. He would do a lot of things to get open. And Tim was a brilliant Hall of Fame route runner. What Henry Ruggs III needs to improve on, obviously, is his toe tapping and how he's going to be better at that, but running better routes. But that doesn't matter if he doesn't get the targets. Do you really believe that Ruggs is not getting targets because he's double teamed or he can't get open? No, because Carr is making good decisions not going to Ruggs. He's going to Waller. He's going to Renfro. They're running the ball. They're doing other things with the ball. So they're not forcing it to Henry Ruggs III. They're not forcing him the football, which I'm a big fan in forcing the football to guys like Ruggs and Waller. Waller on the high fade. Waller in the back of the end zone. Aguilar's getting targets. Why is Aguilar getting more targets than Ruggs? Simple, he's not double teamed. Every time you see Aguilar, he's one-on-one down the sidelines making a play. The safety isn't over the top. The safety is over with Ruggs or Waller. And speaking of safeties, the Raider safeties, Jeff Heath had a great game. They're going to have to stop Travis Kelsey. And Travis Kelsey is one of the greatest big play tight ends now of all time. Not just of this era. And the Raiders can't stop him or haven't been able to. They've got to do this in Vegas, everybody. I I could talk about this all the time. Every time Kansas City plays the Raiders, how many times, if you're new to the podcast, if you've been listening to me for 20 years, it's the same thing, Antonio Gates. If it was Tony Gonzalez, now it's Kelsey. 
Get your hands on him. Jack him up at the line of scrimmage. Make him work if the Raiders can do that. Thanks to Tim Brown for joining us on the game plan. I've been to the Pro Bowl. It's awesome. It's fun for people to pat you on the back, but there's nothing like winning in this league. And if we can win, continue to win in different ways, throwing it, running it, however we got to do it, you know, um, all, all I care about is, is winning. That's all that matters. Touchdown, Las Vegas. Since starting Allegiant some 20 years ago, we've flown more than 100 million people to be with those they love. We're pilots, flight attendants, and technicians. But we're also parents, spouses, and neighbors. And just like you, we're excited to reconnect with the people and places that matter most. That's why we're going the distance for health and safety, on the ground and in the air. Because the further we go now, the safer it'll be to go farther tomorrow. Allegiant, the official airline of the Las Vegas Raiders. Low fares, nonstop flights, only at Allegiant.com. JT, as we continue on the game plan, former NFL quarterback, Raider quarterback, Super Bowl champion also with the Cowboys. Steve Berline joins us from CBS Sports Network. Steve, great to talk to you again. I hope your family's doing well, you're safe, and uh, fighting through this COVID like everyone else. Yeah, it's been too long, JT. Uh, things are going well for me out here, and uh, obviously looks like things are going great for the Raiders. I hope the same for you out there. Yeah, well, we were together once at a Super Bowl party that I emceed for you where you were the guest at the Gold Coast, and I remember that back in the day where Vegas was so vibrant on a Super Bowl Sunday, everyone on the strip, every casino's packed, and now that's not the same here as the Raiders are playing without fans at Allegiant Stadium. For what you've seen on TV and what you've been talking about with your former teammates and the legacy brick that you got from Mark Davis, what do you think of the stadium so far? Well, from what I can tell, and again, I haven't seen it up close yet, but uh, from what I can tell, it looks absolutely amazing. And, and I know the way uh, that Mark thinks, and along with Mark Bedane and Tom Landa and uh, you know all the people involved, that, that, that facility is going to be um, – uh, pretty impressive the first time you walk into, and then every time from that point forward, I know they didn't back on anything, and uh, it, it's something that they're all the organization is going to be very proud of, or is very proud of, and I'm sure all of Las Vegas and NFL every bit as much. So uh, I'm fired up about getting a chance to see it, and I'm also fired up about the uh, fact that when when that stadium does open up to the fans, we know the Raider Nation is going to come out and support them big time, and. Uh, it's going to be a tremendous home field advantage for the uh, for the men in black. Steve, let's get to the quarterbacks coming into Sunday night football. Big spot for the Raiders. They've won three in a row, uh, two in a row in the division, and they get Kansas City, a team that they've already beat. Uh, big picture for the Raiders first off with Carr and the way that he's been playing as of late. He hasn't put up big numbers the last couple of weeks. In the Denver game, he only completed 16-25 for 154 yards, no touchdowns, but the Raiders ran it for over 200 yards. Do you like the way that Gruden's running this offense with Carr? Well, I think that it's it's kind of a week-to-week type of thing. And, and obviously, uh, Carr is feeling very comfortable with the way things are going right now. When you win, it seems to make all those things go much more smoothly. But the, the running game was dominant this past week. Uh, any coach in the NFL, if you can run the football like they ran it last week, uh, will take that over putting the ball up in the air. 40, 50 times without a doubt, because if you're running the ball uh, 30 plus times in a game, the chances are statistics bear this out. Uh, you're winning over 80% of the time. So uh, that means things are going well. You're controlling the tempo, you're controlling the clock, you're converting third downs um, and, and you're, you're ending up, you're scoring points. So 
I, I'm really impressed with what they've built right now. To be at six and, six and three, I think, is a little bit of a surprise to most, myself included. But I felt this team was going to get to at least 500. I thought they were going to win at least eight this year. Uh, I thought nine was very realistic, and ten if they if they found a way to to pull a few upsets off, like the big win over Kansas City in Kansas City. Uh, that this is a team that could get to ten and get themselves into the playoffs without a doubt. So. Uh, I'm very impressed with what they've built and what they are continuing to build. And I think this team is only gaining more and more confidence. And uh, as you know, a confident team is a dangerous team. And the problem is, you know, you got a, you got a Kansas City team coming in this week that uh, did not like getting punched in the mouth in KC. Uh, they're going to be highly motivated to set the record straight. So it's going to be a bloodbath out there. It's going it's to be two teams that really want to establish superiority in that division. So it'll be a fun game to watch. I'm so happy you said that the fans are going to really appreciate that, Steve, because that's what it is. It's a rivalry, a great rivalry. Kansas city loses their only game at home. Mahomes only interception is against the Raiders and 25 touchdowns, one interception as a former quarterback. What do you think of this kid? I mean, I thought it was Russell Wilson, MVP, Aaron Rodgers, And then boom, you look at the numbers as we come into this game Sunday night, and he's once again outperforming what we even thought a former MVP and Super Bowl MVP could do. Well, we've, we've never seen uh, anything like Patrick Mahomes as far as all the qualities that, uh, and that's no, no uh, lack of respect to all the great quarterbacks that have come before him. But his ability, uh, I think there are three points that need to be recognized. One, obviously, he's a tremendous passer. Uh, he can make all the throws. He can. He has the, the, the arm to get the ball anywhere he wants to accurately all over the football field. Uh, two, he's got the mobility and the ability to extend plays and, and also hurt you with picking up first downs with, with his feet. If you give him a, a crease, he's going to take it and convert uh, third down situations no matter what the down and distance. We've seen him pick up third and 15, third and 20 with his feet. Um, but really when he's, when he's moving and he's extending plays, he's trying to make a play with his arm, and he can hurt you all over the football field. But the third quality I think is the most important, and that is that he is absolutely uh, ice and money when the game is on the line. When you need a play to be made, the guy steps up every single time. And, uh, you know, the games that they have lost, including the Raider game, they were right there, and they're finding ways to – to get themselves in position to win the game. And that team believes that if they get the ball last, they're going to win every single time. And it's because of what Patrick Mahomes has proven in such a short period of time. He is, he is absolutely uh, you know, a guy that never gets phased, never gets rattled and continues to produce at the highest level. Steve Berline joins us as we game plan for Kansas city. Steve, I want to spend some time on your career and when you came out of Notre Dame and was drafted by the Raiders in the fourth round, what was Al Davis's perception of you, and what did he expect from you early in his career, considering before you got there years before, he had Plunkett sit the bench and rest till get healthy, and then Plunkett wins two Super Bowls and a Super Bowl MVP. The Raiders had high expectations for quarterbacks long before you came there. What was the pressure like for you? Well, I was – you know, really in a unique situation. It was the last year of Tom Flores, 1987. And uh, as you said, uh, Plunkett was there, but he was on the, the PUP, physically unable to perform this. He, didn't, he was on his last legs, and he would admit that, I'm sure. He didn't even uh, really uh, practice that whole year with us. 
but uh, Rusty Hilger and, and Mark Wilson were going back and forth. I was uh, on. I was. I had a minor injury in the preseason that they were able to uh, put me on injured reserve uh, and let me just kind of have a, a redshirt year. Um, and I learned a lot just sitting there watching. And, and also, I got. I, I did get to practice. It was kind of funny. You know, I was. There were guys on in the defensive backfield. There it was Van McElroy mm-hmm. and uh, Mike Haynes and Lester Hayes and all those those legendary Raider names. And I actually got to go out when I wasn't running scout team quarterback. I would run scout team wide receiver a little bit, and I get out there and actually have to try to get open against these Hall of Fame, these legendary Raider figures. And and I learned a lot about playing uh, the the position of wide receiver, understanding the challenges that those guys have to go through every single play. And I also got to to talk to Mike Haynes and Lester Hayes and think about and learn about how they looked at different types of plays and what their what their eyes were telling them and what they were kind of reading and seeing in different situations. So I, I learned an awful lot. And, um, you know, I, I did get a chance to fortunately play my second year. The next year, Mark Wilson, Rusty Hilder, and Jim Plunkett were all gone. Mike Shanahan came in and had a lot of confidence in me and gave me a chance to go out there and play. And I thought it went pretty well. Uh, we won the opening game of my career uh, against the uh, San Diego Chargers mm-hmm. in the in the Coliseum, first game of the year in 1988. But uh, that night, Al Davis made the trade for Jay Schrader, and uh, we all know what happened from there. It was kind of back and forth, Jay and I. And you know, Mr. Davis, his, his intention always was to to win. Uh, you know, just win, baby. That's all he cared about, and he just felt that Jay Schrader at that time gave the Raiders the best chance to win, and. Mike Shanahan was trying to find ways to get me in there, and there was kind of some headbutting, and you know we know how that worked out. Uh, Mr. Davis won that that deal, and uh, Mike Shanahan only lasted about 20 games as the Raiders coach. And um, you know, I, unfortunately for me, I didn't get a chance to uh, to play more than uh, the 1989 season, and uh, you know it was it was just time for me to move on. They traded me to the Cowboys after the '90 season, and. And I've still got fond memories. I'm still very close to Mark Davis, Mark Bedane, and, and a lot of people in that organization. So uh, really excited about where it's going and, and to be a part of uh, the alumni group moving forward. This is by far the best. I play for six teams in the NFL, yeah. JT. By far the best alumni organized organization in the NFL. They, they are first class. They reach out to their players, and they want to try and ensure that the former players are all doing okay and that they know that they're welcome coming back and encouraged to come back and be a part of things. So it's a, it's a really, really nice culture they're building there, and everybody's on the same page. It's just a lot of fun to be a part of. Well, I'll tell you, Steve, I, I can speak for a lot of people, the alumni and Mark Bedane and everybody thinks the world of you, and you've been so pro Raiders, and that's why we're having you on, because after the Raider run for you, you got a Super Bowl with the Cowboys, Jimmy Johnson, backing up Aikman and did play and have great memories there. But what impresses me also so much with you on the back end of your career, Pro Bowl, NFL passing yard leader in 1999, completion percentage leader in 1998. You had a hell of a back end to your career. What do you attribute that to with the struggles early, then losing a job, being a backup, and then getting an opportunity to play later in your career and really playing at the highest level. Well, JT, you know, there's a lot of different reasons for it, I think. But but really, for me, it was all about opportunity. I never really had a, a, an opportunity to lose my starting job. Uh, I, everywhere that I went prior to the, the Carolina Panthers, I was always in a 
coming into an organization in a transitional period, uh, other than the Cowboys, where I was brought there specifically to back up Troy Aikman, and that those two years were absolutely magical for me, and where I was able to reestablish myself as a starting quarterback. And the first year of free agency in '93, I got to go uh, to the Arizona Cardinals, and we could talk about over a beer sometime all the different stories. But mm-hmm. the bottom line is that timing-wise there never was the right situation. And it was frustrating as heck for me. Uh, I never got a chance to get settled in. And and I, I just kept hoping and praying that at some point I would get that opportunity. And it just came after my, you know, in, in my 12th or 13th year when the Panthers finally decided that they were going to give me a shot to be the guy. And uh, as you said, in 98, when Kerry Collins quit four games into the season, I became the starting quarterback. I led the NFL in completion percentage uh, the last 12 weeks of the season. And then in 1999, I led the NFL in passing and went to the Pro Bowl. So um, it was just a matter of getting that opportunity and getting in a situation where a team really believed in me and felt like I could get the job done. And uh, I thank God that I was able to hang in there as long as I did. And I, and I was able to step up and create those uh, those memories, those incredible memories. So it was a, I was very fortunate to always have uh, at least a, a, somebody in an organization that believed that I was a valuable asset and uh, they always wanted me to be a part of a team. And when I got the chance to play, I usually stepped up. And, you know, I think you're a hell of an analyst in the work that you do with CBS Sportsnet. And just the fact that we're going to see a lot here, Steve, down the road. You like Vegas. Vegas likes you. When we open this up, looking forward to seeing you out on game day and having you on the set of the pregame show and and talking more football with you. You're a valued alumni and a friend, and thanks so much for joining us on the game plan. Let me make one last point, JT, and that is this. I think, and I I was hoping we'd get into it, but I talked too much. The, The trade that the Raiders made to give up Khalil Mack and get what they got out of that trade. I think it was the best move in the NFL since the Herschel Walker trade. That wow. that move allowed the Raiders to get to where they are right now. So you give credit to John Gruden, uh, Mike Mayock, uh, Mark, everybody that was involved, Mark Davis, of course, in making that move. That is the kind of bold move that separates organizations, and that's why the Raiders are as relevant as they are this quickly. So I had to get that point in there because I was so – I was so actively, uh, you know, in favor of that move and supportive of that move when so many weren't. But it's working out great for the Raiders now. I'm happy you got that in because it's fantastic. That brought Josh Jacobs in, and Josh Jacobs is a big part of this team being 6-3. and three. Hey, last one quickly. Do you ball control it with Josh in this game, or do you, you let uh, Carr hunt and go toe-to-toe with Mahomes on Sunday night and win in a shootout? Give me quickly on the way out your game plan. Well, Derek Carr is going to have to make some plays like he did uh, the last He had his best game, I think, as a Raider that day, stepping up in the throws he made at the key points of the game down the field, you know, when he had the opportunities, he was on fire. But every team goes into games against the Kansas City Chiefs thinking, we have got to keep the ball away from Patty Mahomes. And the way you do that is by feeding Josh Jacobs and by feeding Booker. These guys, you get that running game going, you convert on third down, and you score touchstone downs and don't settle for field goals. That's how you beat the Kansas City Chiefs. Really appreciate it, Steve. Thanks for everything you do. Thanks for coming on. You got it, buddy. Take care, JT. All right, Steve Berline. Fabulous. Fabulous. As he broke that down, what a career. I mean, remember, he comes in and plunk it, and it's Tom Flores' last year, and then he goes on, and we had to get in what he did late in his career with Carolina. 
And he won a Super Bowl as the backup for Troy Aikman and played in that Super Bowl and was traded for by Jimmy Johnson via Al Davis. He's got some history. Well, let me tell you this as we wrap up the game plan. It's very important that I am honored to interview all these alumni. I mean, it's incredible that I get these alumni to come on with me, and a lot of it's for this podcast. And Steve Berline, who played for a bunch of teams, he mentioned the six teams, he played at Notre Dame, Tim Brown joined us first, and what he thinks of the Raiders going forward and what Mark Davis means to him is because of the way Mark Davis treats the alumni, which is the way Al Davis and Mrs. Davis treated the alumni, and Mrs. Davis still does. It's incredible. It's really a part of this once a Raider, always a Raider, legacy brick. When you get a chance to go to Allegiant Stadium, and I know you can't go to games now, but just walk outside the Raider image and look at all those bricks and understand that Mark Davis paid for all of them and, and said anyone who's played one game for the Raiders will get a brick. And you wonder why all of these alumni want to thank Mark Davis for that? They really appreciate it. And I really appreciate Steve Berline and Tim Brown, who were kind enough to join us. For everyone at Silver and Black Productions, Kansas City, oh, it's a big one. I would hope next week we can talk about the victory and march on. Either way, we'll have big guests alumni, newsmakers, right here on The Game Plan, which you can follow and download. Go to Raiders.com. And thanks for listening, everybody. I'm JT. Go Raiders. Thank you for listening to The Game Plan on the official Raiders Podcast Network.